This is the 210 Podcast, where we show you how to have more as a busy professional woman while still enjoying the mommy life. We are your hosts, Dr. Amy Steele and Dr. Carol Broxton. Well, hey, girl. Hey. Hey, how's it going? Are you ready? I'm ready. Y'all, Carol got us hooked into an episode that we've never done before. There are four people on this call. And so, Carol, what was your thought behind (laughs) bringing on our husbands to our podcast? Which I love the idea. But what was your thought behind this? My thoughts behind this was February is Valentine's month, reserve for love or what have you. So I was like, oh, that's a good idea. If me and Amy get on here with our husbands and talk about love and marriage, and we talk about our husbands all the time, now our listeners get to actually hear their voices and kind of get into their personality and who they are. I've been so excited since I think the idea popped into my head like, December, I don't know when I text you about it, but it popped into my head last year and I was like, this is going to be so awesome. My audience is going to be like, yes, we get to hear from the husbands. I was like, this is going to be a fun and great show. Yes. And of course, since February is reserved as the month of love, I think it's only fitting that we show our husbands how much we love and appreciate them. So Carol, I'm so excited to have you on and to have your husband on and my husband as well. So why don't we jump on in because I'm sure our listeners want to hear what these men in our lives that we've been talking about for one year have to say. So hello, Mr. and Mrs. Broxton. How are you doing? We'll start with Mr. Broxton. How's it going? Doing pretty good. Pretty good. (laughs) Okay. Are you nervous? Are you excited? I'm excited and nervous at the same time, but like we said earlier, we're going to make it do what it do. That's right. That's right. So we're happy to have you all here. And thanks for joining us, Mr. Broxton. Thank you for having us. All right, Amy, go ahead and introduce your husband for the listeners. Okay, so I have Mr. Steele here, also known as Michael. He can speak. Can I? (laughs) (laughs) Good morning. Good morning or good day to listeners. Thank you so much for this opportunity to be here. I'm excited. I know that our wives have been working uh, tirelessly to get information out to you, to bring things that will feed your mind, your body, and your soul. And I'm just loving this opportunity to be able to sit down with him. I always I love being a part of the life that we've, come, we've made together. And sometimes we have a separate life and the things that my wife does separately, they're great. And I just, I'm thankful whenever she invites me into her world. So Aww. glad to be here. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, we're going to go ahead and let Mr. Broxton introduce himself and give us a little information on himself. Well, my name is Virgis Broxton, and I'm a physical education teacher for Tallahassee Math and Science. Some of my hobbies, I just love to coach basketball and motivate the young minds. I'm a deacon in the church. I just can't get enough. I I mean, I have five kids, so I should be able to motivate somebody. (laughs) So that's what my passion is. It's just to help them grow up to be successful young people. So happy to be here. Like Mr. Steele said, with the wives, they have been just doing a great job over the past year. I saw the passion the very first day when they met (laughs) in that podcast. It's like, oh, we should do this. Oh, yeah. But it was... It's been a great year for him, and I'm really proud of him. Thank you, honey. Great intro. 
<laughs> yes. Well, let me ask Mr. Broxton. So Sean, we'll go formal with your name that we can call you, right, Sean? So you witnessed our beginning. Did you think we'd be here at this moment more than a year ago when we first met? Well, I kind of saw it a little bit. My wife, she had wanted to do it before, but she just didn't have that guidance and push. And when we went to the podcast and she met you, she had that guidance, that push, and just kind of helped her evolve into becoming what this podcast had become. And so that's what one thing that I did see when I first saw you guys interact. Yeah, well, she's been such a blessing to me and truly like my accountability partner with this because I wake up daily like, ah, I probably need to do something for Carol (laughs) or with Carol or something Carol's going to ask me about. I need to be ready for it. So I I do appreciate that. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) Honey, who are you? (laughs) I don't know. I ask my question that often. Yeah, Who am yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> uh, my name is Michael Steele, and been married to the lovely Amy Steele for the last 22 years, and we dated about a year and a half prior to that. So we've been together for approaching 24 years, but we are thankful to still be here. Some people start off and just don't make it, but anyway, I am a pastor and been in full time ministry since 2005. So I'm going on 16 years of ministry. I'm just thankful for the opportunity to do what it is that I'm able to do. My hobbies include reading and I write some and I have a project that's looming over my head that's I got to write and finish it, but I got to knock that out. But, you know, I enjoy reading and I enjoy exercising and trying to take care of my body as much as possible. And I'm excited about this opportunity to be on today. I know As Sean mentioned earlier, we have five children, and so learn a lot from them. While I'm trying to teach them, I learn just as much as I might be putting out, and so I just keep my heart and mind open. Our oldest being 21, I was telling my wife the other day, it's difficult parenting adult children because you can't do them the same way as you would do a small child. So just recognizing that that's something that I'm learning right now how to be a parent of an adult. And I'm more of a friend or an advocate or a, what should we say, a a guide along their journey once they reach the adult status. And so, you know, just making sure that happens. Uh, Anyway, in short, before I go too far, I will stop right there. Hopefully I've given you enough information to tell you a little bit about who I am. This is what happens when you give a pastor or a deacon. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love it. So now we're going to move into how we met and we're going to let our husband start us off with how we met. And then they're going to tell our audience, our listeners, why they fell in love with us. So I can't wait to hear this. And we're going to go ahead and start with Sean. Sometimes I refer to him as Coach B because that's what all the kids call him. Coach B, every time we go to the grocery stores, they see us out publicly. They're like, Coach, that's Coach B. That's Coach B. You hear parents, isn't that your coach? That's Coach B. So <laughs> sometimes you're going to hear me refer to him as Coach B. So go ahead, Sean. Can you share with our listeners how did we meet, as you remember? <laughs> all right. Well, we first met 27 years ago. I was on the bus ministry at the church and she was a faithful member at that church. And I started coming to that church and I saw her in the youth choir. And when I saw her, the first thing that came to my mind was she had some big eyes. And so, you know, that was just the thing that really struck out to me. 
<laughs> and we started talking and started becoming friends. And just we talked on the phone about the class of 97 and the class of 98 almost the whole entire time. <laughs> so being I was the class of 97, which was the best. <laughs> <laughs> and so she was a class of 98 but that's what we talked about on the phone the whole entire time we just became friends she became my best friend and she would always help me in a quick snippet of how she helped me when I was playing football I wasn't playing at the time and my coach would kind of make me do all the practices and everything and she told me one day she said, well won't you pull your coach aside and say is there a reason I'm not playing. And I did exactly what she said the next day and got on the football field. So that was some good guidance that she gave me that that, that time. And I was like, what, 16, 17? 17. (laughs) Yes. I've been an old lady all my life. (laughs) A mentor, a guide, a counselor, a mentor, a supporter. All my life. I love it. (laughs) And then what else, Lyle? How did y'all fall in love? What took it to the next level? I think it was just basically her being there for me throughout so many things throughout my football career and everything that I went through. She was always there helping me, encouraging me. And that was just the factor that kind of really made me fall in love with her was she was just always there to encourage me. And I never really had a a person to be there for me quite like she was. And that was just the the factor in most of all, she was my best friend. I could tell her anything. So that was the key factors in me falling in love with her. Are you crying? Because that was so sweet. <laughs> yeah, I'm holding back tears. I told myself I will not cry on this episode. I'm determined not to cry. I'm trying to be strong. <laughs> oh, that is so kind. I love it. I love how you were friends and then best friends first. And then love came after, I think people don't really process that it's a process to fall in love. Like you may know that that's the person you love early, but the process of friendship and best friendship, that is so important. All right, Mr. Steele, are you ready to get in the hot seat, Michael? It's your turn. Uh, All right. All right. Well, whether I'm ready or not, I'm already here now. So I have to do what I can. We met early 1997. We started dating, but some years before that, like 94, 95, somewhere around in there, I met Amy at a youth conference in Richmond, Virginia, and I didn't know her that well, but I just saw her. And honestly, the first time I saw her, I actually had a girlfriend. I had a girlfriend I had been dating for some years. And so I've always been a one woman man. So, I mean, I thought she was cute, but, you know, honestly, I was... 18, Amy was 14. And so I was like, you know, she was cute, but she's a little girl in my mind because I'm four years older than her and I'm dating. So I wasn't really interested, anything like that. So I just noticed her. But other than that, four years later, remember over that time, I would see Amy. We had our church had a conference as well. So I would see her come to the conference here in Charlotte. I saw her family, got to know her family a little bit. So I knew who she was. But she and I never really had any conversations. I just knew her, who she was. And so, as I was saying, four years later, Amy, when she came back right before she left for college, she was 18. I was 22. She wasn't so young anymore. And I hadn't been dating that young lady that I was dating the first time I met Amy. We had gone our separate ways for about three years at that point. And I just 
wasn't dating anybody, wasn't really interested in dating anybody because that wasn't a healthy relationship. And so I was thankful that I had been clear of all the baggage and all that stuff that I could have been dragging into this new relationship. But when I was working after church in the tape room, time we had those tapes, some of y'all <laughs> might not know what tapes are, but we had those tapes and Amy came in and ordered some tapes. And while she was there, she wrote a check and it had University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill as a part of who it was. And I was a Duke fan. And so I made a joke to her. She said I was flirting, but I made a joke to her about the check. And so we went back and forth a little bit. Long story short, it wasn't designated for me at that time to talk to Amy because my parents had invited another young lady from Richmond, that same church, to come and meet me that particular conference. And so I actually went out to dinner with that young lady that evening. And so I didn't take it any further than Amy and I had that little interaction, but I didn't take it any further than that. I went out to eat with that young lady. But while I was there, Amy that night, I actually saw Amy's parents at the same restaurant that I went out to eat with this young lady. They were there with several family members, but Amy wasn't with them. Uh, She was staying with my mom's best friend at the time. And so she was staying with her. Everybody left, went their separate directions at the end of that conference. And my mom's best friend reached out to me and she said, hey, you know, Amy? And I said, oh, yeah. She said, well, she didn't tell me directly to give you her number, but she left her number and said, in case you have somebody you want to give this number to, give it to them. And so, (laughs) so she gave me Amy's phone number. And so I was already impressed by Amy because her mom and my mom had met in my mom's office. My mom had an office at the church and my dad's a senior pastor. And so her mom, my mom met and they were talking about some things and and Amy's godmom was also there. And my mom had shown me this article about Amy and how she was doing this and doing that. And she was standing for God in and around her community. And I was just so impressed by that. And so I was just thankful. And then long story again, made short, Really? Yeah. I'll make it as short as I can. We we met. I'm skipping a lot. But once I got the approval to be able to call Amy, my dad actually called beforehand and talked to her dad and was like, you know, hey, my son is interested in your daughter. And said, let's let's meet. And so we met and we had dinner and there was about 16 people on our first date. Families, all those people came and we drove from Charlotte down to Fayetteville, North Carolina. I'm not sure, you know, for sure if you know where that is. But when we drove from Charlotte there, I was so happy to meet Amy. We sat down, we talked. Her little sisters were at the table looking at us the whole time while we were talking and getting to know one another. At the, at the end of the evening, we went back to Amy's parents' home. They lived on Fort Bragg. And we went back to their home uh, to say our goodbyes. Talked to Amy for a little bit longer. She was leaving for college that very next week. I shook her hand. We, we shook hands. And when I shook her hand, I knew, I knew that Amy would be my wife. I knew it, but I didn't want to scare her. <laughs> so I didn't say anything about it. Didn't say a word. And so I knew she'd be my wife. And then at the end of that, I called, asked her dad if it was okay to talk with her while she was away at school. And he told me, yes, I called. I couldn't get her that first time. So I called her dad back again. Several days later, he's like, look, man, you don't have to keep calling me, asking me. <laughs> Talk to my daughter, just go ahead and call her. And so I called her. We connected that evening. I think it was a Saturday. We connected that evening. When we connected, it was just like we were all we were meant to be. 
And so we continued to grow and get to know each other. And it wasn't long that we found ourselves in love. And because we didn't want to make official announcement, I said, hey, can we be engaged to be engaged? (laughs) So she's like, yeah, sure. And I asked her in the old school fashion to become my girlfriend. She said she would. And we just got to know each other. And, you know, shortly thereafter, we we found ourselves married. And so that's the short version of our story. (laughs) I could go a lot deeper. That is a wonderful story. We love it. We love it. Did you hear my man say that's the short version? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good version. (laughs) A lot of details are in there. (laughs) Well, that is very sweet, first of all. And I thank you for the sharing of your story. And how did you know that I was the one for you? I just, I don't know. It was like the Holy Spirit just affirmed that you were the right one for me because your personality, we jailed. I loved your smile, your laugh. It was just, you know, it was kind of surreal for me. I just felt it in my heart that you were the one, the young lady that I had dated prior to you, again, having been separated from her like three years. I didn't have any baggage at the moment and I hadn't really dated. I think I had been on a date, didn't last long. So with that one person, and then I just chose not to date anybody else. And when I saw you, I didn't, I didn't feel that with anybody else. I felt what I felt with you was different. And so I said, you know, this is the person I think I want to be able to make my life with. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, now we're going to transition over and ask a nice little question. We're going to start off with Mr. Roxon over here. Did you plan from the very beginning on having five children? Was that the plan? Because I'm pretty sure our audience want to know. How did you get the number five? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that wasn't the plan. My plan was when I got married, I wanted three kids. I wanted two boys. And a girl. The reason I wanted those two boys, because I grew up with just me and my sister, and I wanted somebody to play with, somebody that had a competition factor with. So I wanted that extra boy so the boys could play. And then, of course, I wanted to date this little girl. She could wrap her hands around all of me and just want me. So that's what I originally planned was three. But Laura had different methods for us. So, and came five. So it was kind of strange at first because we only had three. We had started out with three girls. And when we started out with three girls, the original plan was just to stop. <laughs> okay, we don't have no boys. Let's go ahead and stop. So we agreed on it. It says we're going to stop at three. And then a year later, after the third girl, <laughs> here comes the boy. <laughs> and when the doctor sitting there and they said, oh, you're having a boy. I just, I kind of jumped for joy and just said, yes, finally got it. Yes. So I had that one boy. And then, you know, we had talked about it, said, okay, now this is four. We're going to stop. And then two years later, here comes the second boy. So I guess in reality, I asked God for two boys for that competition factor. He gave them to me at the very end. We had to take what we got, but those five children, I wouldn't trade them for nothing. They are a joy to our hearts, and every one of them has a different personality, and we love them all. And I will add to that because my plan when I was younger, 
I wanted to have two girls and two boys because me and my sister, we were seven years apart. So I always want to have a friend and a playmate, but she didn't come till I was seven. And I was over it by then. So I was like, this is the purpose. So that was my plan. And then when I got older, I realized, you know what? Children are handful and expensive. Okay, honey, we're going to have a boy and a girl. So we had an angel and I was like, okay, all we have to do is have a boy. We're good. That's the perfect number. And then, you know, life happened just like he said. And so it was like, okay, God, you know something that we we don't know. You see what we don't see. But yes, we don't. I don't feel complete without them. You know, if you don't have the five, sometimes they were like, the girls would go to my mom's house or the boys would go to his dad's house or something or be away. And it's like, the house is just not the same. It's like, you know, that one child is missing. It's like, you know, you would think if you have five, you know, it's okay if one is not there, but it's just not the same. You just don't feel complete without the seven. And it's a big transition, like you said, being an adult parent making that transition where your children are not here and they have their own lives and ideas and they want to spend time with their friends and do other things. And it's like, whoa, this is so different from having a strong five. And it's like, they're going to have their own life. They're going to transition on and have their own life. And then we got to look at each other and say, well, what are we going to do <laughs> with each other when they are out and about? You know, we still got a couple more years ago, but yeah, that's how the story went. So <laughs> you guys, you want to share your story of those five? <laughs> So originally, I wanted seven. I'm the oldest of five, and I wanted a large family. So I was like, I want seven kids. You know, I wanted the number of completion. You know, I heard about that all the time in church, and I thought that's just the perfect number. Well, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God we stopped at five, and the two of us make seven. So that's the number of completion, (laughs) and I'm perfectly content with that. How about you? (laughs) Well, I think. Way back when, I wanted three. As some of us have echoed, I was separate from, you know, my brother, I have one brother, and he's 10 years younger than I am. And so it was like, we grew up two only children. Like, I was an only child, and then he was an only child. We both had our time with our parents. And by the time he was really able to do a lot of things, I was 15, 16 years old. And so I was in teen land and, you know, he was five, six years old. And so it's like, all right, Michael, take care of your brother. And so I'm babysitting and doing this and doing that. It was a blessing, but it was a curse that I was mature because my parents, they would go out of town. They would do this and like, hey, take your brother to school, do this, do that. So I was taking care of my brother at 16. I was driving around doing whatever we needed to do and and all that good stuff. So When we came to the place of being able to have a family of our own, I wanted to have three kids and then allow them to be able to have, just have some siblings growing up. Like I didn't, and I wanted them to be kind of close in age. And so, you know, it happened faster than we anticipated, but (laughs) but it definitely happened. And we had our initial two girls and then our oldest son, who is turning 18 tomorrow, by the way. And then, you know, we have, we skipped a few years and now we decided when our son was five, we said we'd make a decision about having another one when he was five. And we made a decision and we said we want to have another one. And so we started trying again when our son turned five and then Maya came. And then we said, you know, we don't want Maya to be by herself. And so let's go for another one. And we did. And that was Miles. We didn't plan the first two, but we planned the last two. I'll put it to you that way. So. <laughs> Not the timing of it anyway. Not the timing of it, I'll say that. 
So we'll ask both guys, starting with Sean, what do you all enjoy most about having a big family? I enjoy most about having a big family. It's never a dull moment in our household. It's never quiet, but it's always laughter. Sometimes the kids, it can have arguments and all kinds of things, but maybe five minutes later, they'll be laughing about something. And it's just so enjoyable having them together and seeing how they work together. Like I put my boys out in the yard sometimes and have them clean the yard. They'll be fussing about who turned, who going to get which side to cut the grass. I'm going to get the smaller side. But then once they finish, they just communicate so well together. And having a big family is just, it's a lot of laughter, love. We communicate well together. And on those Sundays, we, before my oldest daughter got away from us and moved to Minnesota, that's a tearjerker on me. But before that happened, we would try to get on that Sunday and just try to have Sunday dinner together and everybody around this little old table before everybody got a cell phone. We wanted to sit up there. Well, how was your day or how was your day? And we would sit and talk and, and, you know, we had this one thing on Christmas where we would tell each other and says, why I love you. Uh, you know, when somebody get upset, that was one thing my mom and dad used to tell me and my sister, if y'all get upset, you're going to hug your sister until I tell you to stop hugging them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was one thing I thought about and I got all our kids together. Now we would just discuss, say, why I love you. I love you because of this. I love you because of that. And so that's the good thing about having a big family is that laughter and love that you share with one another. Even through the difficult times, you still have that laughter and love. Well, I enjoy having a big family. It adds completion. Yeah, there's times where you know, it is just so loud. Having the kids in the house when they're our oldest three were growing up, it was always something going on. And then you add Maya and Miles and they keep stuff going on. When you have all five kids in one space, it is crazy going back and forth with each other. They do get into their arguments, but at the end of the day, they work it out. And they might not be able to get along with anybody else, but don't let somebody else on the outside try to come in and go for one of their siblings. They're going to let you know, hey, that's my brother. That's my sister. You can't do that. You know, that kind of a thing. So they're very tight knit. Our oldest three are probably really best friends. And then the youngest two, they're best friends. And they're always together doing this and doing that. And even though Maya is Miles's big sister, that's our youngest two, even though they're a little bit, there's a little bit of an age difference. Maya is really good about coming to Miles's age and level and doing what she needs to do him and they just get along really, really well. I think it was Carol that said this earlier. Whenever one person is out of the house, it's like a piece of my heart is gone. I just love them all being here. The fact that, you know, I know they're often, our oldest three really don't live here full time, but they are often school and college. And, and whenever COVID happened recently, I was really, I didn't like COVID, but I was thankful that our kids started transitioning back home. And so we had them here over this last year. And so it's really, really been a good thing for us to be able to reconnect as a family. So yeah, I love a big family. Wow, that would sound so good. I just really enjoyed this podcast, guys. This was fun. It's more than what I expected when it was, the idea was in my head. So we just want to thank Mr. Steele and Mr. Broxton, Michael and Sean to being our special guests today. And so... 
listeners. We thank you for listening to the 210 Podcast, where we shine light on topics for busy moms. Have a great day.